Well, good morning, everyone. We'll open up your Bibles this morning to Romans, Romans chapter 12, as we get back into our study. We've been in and out of it for the past few weeks, but we're back now. And we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9. The title of this morning's sermon was changed just this morning, so it may be in your bulletin a little differently. It's called, I am my brother's keeper. I am my brother's keeper. Before I explain that, let's go ahead and pray so that I explain it properly. Lord God, again, I just agree with John and they're so thankful that you brought us here this morning and and all that is involved in being here as a church body, Lord God. I pray this morning as we open up your word that you would reveal to us, Lord God, how we can grow in our faith, grow in our relationship with our brothers and sisters in the church. More importantly this morning, Father God, is that is the focus of this sermon. Show us, Lord God, what it means to be my brother's keeper. In a way, Lord God, that would not burden us, but would bring us much joy. And I pray also those who are hurting this morning, Lord God, that they would find much comfort, not only in you, Lord God, but in their brothers and sisters who are here for them. And we pray this, Lord God, in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, Romans, we're going to start in verse 9. But before we pick that up, I want to mention something. In the title of the message, you may have heard it before. Am I my brother's keeper is what really what scripture says. And that has to do with the story of Cain and Abel back in the book of Genesis. If you remember, Cain had killed his brother Abel and was in paradise, the Garden of Eden. And God approached Cain and questioned him and asked where his brother was. And Cain replied, am I my brother's keeper? Basically saying that's not my responsibility to take care of my brother, is it? He's old enough. Or you could, you know, add a bunch of comments in that you want. But basically, he wasn't owning up to the responsibility of his brother. God knew what Cain had done already. He wanted Cain to realize it. And this morning, I'm going to talk about how that is, we actually are our brother's keeper. And in the context of this morning's message, we're really talking about the family that we have here in this church and Church Universal. But let's just focus here at Renaissance Christian Church. If this is your church, if you are a brother or sister of this church, then we are our brother's keeper. Jesus tells us that there is something thicker than family blood. You know, you've heard that phrase, blood is thicker than water. Remember when Jesus was approached and they say, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers, your family's outside calling for you. And Jesus said, for whoever does the will of God, that is my mother and my brother and my sister. The Bible makes a strong case over and over again that we are to view the body of Christ as our extended family. And Paul here in Romans chapter 12 just gives us one example of that. And in the context of Romans 12, since we've gone a few months through this and and away from it, if you remember, verses 1 and 2 talks about the transformation that takes place since we are in the family of God. The first 11 chapters of Romans explain to us how we made it in, what God has done for us. And from that point forward, we are to live different. And that's what he talks about in chapters 12 through 16. 
But verses 1 and 2 of this chapter, again, talks about that transformation that takes place in us as believers. And then verses 3 and 8, which were taught on back in November, if you remember when John taught, talks about the gifts that each family member has and how they use them in the body of Christ. And then lastly, which we're going to talk about right now, is the exhortation by Paul of the manner we are to use those gifts towards our church family. So I hope that helps you understand where I'm going with this. So let's look at verses 9 through 13. Again, after Paul explained the gifts that each piece of the family has, or each member of the family has, he says this. So again, it's in the context of the church family. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligent and diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. So Paul right here gives us a list of kind of like hey, this is a laundry list, so to speak, and I don't, I don't want to mean that in a negative way, but he gives us this list to the church. Hey, these are the things that we should be doing as brothers and sisters in Christ towards each other. Again, that's the context, and I'll go through and try to bring light to each one of these in relation to how am I my brother's keeper. So let's look at the foundation, and he begins in verses 9 with the foundation and gives us three things and he starts with this let love be without hypocrisy so love is the foundation that we as believers live or start from or operate with as you will so the number one point is to be your brother's keeper you have to have a sincere love for them now just living these things out could take us a lifetime but a sincere love for your brothers and sisters is what he's talking about. And that word is the word agape. And I heard uh, Pastor David teach on that last week. I saw him on YouTube. And then also a few weeks ago, we mentioned that on Valentine's Day about love. And it's the self-sacrificial love that we have. We're to have that same love. It's easy to think of that love. Let me back up for a second for the parent towards their child, right? The child has done nothing when they come into the world, but yet you fully love them. Everything about you loves them. This is the same kind of love that the Apostle Paul is saying that we should have for each other. So each and every believer in here is called to love that way towards each other. And that's going to be a, a lifelong process as we live together in the church. You know what makes it easy to love each other? is to spend more time with each other, to get to know each other more. And that's vital to the role of the church body. We're to live together. It was really evident last weekend as we were at the men's retreat, I was talking to John about that. It was really cool for me personally and maybe for the other guys, but to get to know the guys on a different level. Isn't it really hard on Sunday? Most of the time we're in, hey, how you doing? Everybody says, I'm doing good. And then they leave. You know, sometimes we linger on and talk a little bit more. You know, we don't want to, like, burden anybody with, you know what, if I really told you how I was doing today, brother, you'd be like, what's that dude's problem? <laughs> but that's the truth. 
So when I was up at the ministry, I got to talk to guys individually, one-on-one, and learn a little bit more about them than just, hey, how you doing? Great. All right, have a good week. God bless you. I'll pray for you. You know, those things we say as Christians. We should really stop and just pray right then and there. I'm guilty of that, too. But it was cool. I got to know the guys on a deeper level and get to see different sides of them. It's cool to sit back and see the guys minister one to another. And it didn't have to be, it doesn't have to be the elder or the pastor doing the ministering. You know, we're all God's body. We all have different gifts. And that was just for me something that I'll, I'll always remember. And I look forward to next time we get away so we can get to know each other even more. And that's why it's important to spend time with each other. Bible studies, different fellowship things, hanging out together even outside of church. Because that's the only way we truly get to know each other and to love as Paul's calling us to love. And as Christ himself called us to love our brothers as well. So the foundation is to have a sincere love for them. So like myself, I'm sure you can admit, yeah, I need, to, I, I, do, I need to love you guys more and more and continue to grow my love for you. That's a lifelong process, and I'm, I'm nowhere near perfect. So number one, the foundation is to have a sincere love for them. Number two, know what you are protecting your brother and sister from. Think of this. That word, am I my brother's keeper, is really talking about, am I my brother's guardian? Am I to guard them and to protect them? That's the way that word is used in the Bible. And the answer is yes, we as brothers and sisters are called to protect each other in the church and outside the church. So what are we protecting our brothers and sisters from? Well, I think Paul helps us understand this when he goes let love be without hypocrisy and then these two little short phrases abhor what is evil or that could be being saying hate what is evil or be horrified of what is evil and cling to what is good so knowing what you're protecting your brother and sisters from number one is evil we need to understand that there is evil in this world We're not of our culture that says, well, what's evil to you is not evil to me. No, the Bible is clear about what is evil. And if you remember going back to Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 2, I want to show you this. It says, verse 2, about being transformed, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The more that you're transformed by God's word, you understand what true evil is. The world doesn't define evil. Our own families don't define evil. Our friends don't define evil. The Bible defines evil. And the Bible is very clear about what evil is. And knowing that we are to be horrified of it, not play with it and toy with it. God himself in Proverbs chapter 8 tells us, or actually the 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 person who wrote Proverbs, look at this verse with me. You think, I'm a Christian, I'm not supposed to hate. Look at what it says. The fear of the Lord. Remember you've heard that the fear of the Lord is wisdom, right? Look at what he says here, though. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. As a Christian, we are to hate evil. Why? Well, evil is what put our Lord on the cross. Have you ever thought of that that way? My sins, all that is evil in this world, the things that I did, that is why Jesus had to die, and I should hate it. Every type of sin. Right? And we all, as believers, there's some sins that we're like, well, that's not that bad. It's 
But in God's eyes, it's all evil. Christ would have gone to sin even for those oh-not-so-bad sins. Scripture calls us to be horrified of those sins. There are sins that you can think of that you're like, those are horrible, I would, wicked, evil things, and I would never partake in that. And then there's some that we actually partake in, and myself included. And my prayer is that I would look at every sin the same way. It's horrible and evil. I should have no part of it. And those are the things that we're to protect our brothers and sisters from. It's not just the pastor's job, but you, individual believers, protect your brother and sister. Those who are sitting to the left of you and to the right of you, those are your brothers and sisters. That is who you are keeping from evil, as we'll see in a moment. So it's not only hating what is evil. He gives the positive side. He says, cling to what is good. Back in our text. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. That means glue or cement. Bond or bind yourself to whatever is good. So you're fleeing what is evil and you cling to what is good. Think of your children when they see something scary like Mickey Mouse at Disneyland. Right? They flee from him and they cling to you Right when they're real little. They're really afraid of him. That's the picture. We should be horrified of Mickey Mouse. Of evil, not Mickey Mouse, but evil and cling to what is good. And again, this is the context, as I mentioned, Romans chapter 2, where he says, pursue or be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And this is an extension of that. Paul gives the same exhortation to the church at Thessalonica Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and look at verses 21 through 22. Paul says this, But examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good, again, cling to that which is good, and abstain from every form of evil. Every form of it, Paul says. And then again, his exhortation to Timothy to flee from evil and to pursue goodness can be found in his letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. Let me read that to you. It's right after Thessalonians, so all the T's are together. It makes it real easy. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 says this. Or excuse me, 1 Timothy, sorry. I was wrong. First Timothy 6, 11. He says this, but flee from these things. And he just got he just finished talking about uh, about money, not that you're to flee money, but to flee the love of money, because that is the root of all evil. He's saying, but flee from these things, you man of God or woman of God and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance and gentleness. So it's that same picture. You're leaving evil and you're fleeing towards or clinging to what is good. And in his second letter to Timothy, because I guess Timothy didn't get it the first time. God would have like 10 letters to Robert, so he only needed two to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, I love this one. He adds something to the fleeing. And this is easy to remember because it's all 2, 2, 2, 2, 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 22. I like this one. And this goes to the point of being in fellowship with the church. Now flee from youthful lusts, 
and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And then here, this is where he adds, with those who call on the name from a pure heart. I love that. So it's not, you're not doing it by yourself. Christianity is a team sport. We are a big family of God. And we're to do it with each other so that we can strengthen one another, encourage one another, pick each other up when we fall. If you're by yourself, you're in a lot of trouble when you fall. There's nobody there to pick you up. So the foundation for being your brother's keeper is to, one, number one, have a sincere love for them. And number two, know what you are protecting them from. There is good and evil in our world. And so let's drop down to our next section here. How do we keep our brothers and sisters? How do we keep them? Again, guard and protect them. When I say keep, that's what we mean. How do we guard and protect them? And it's interesting to know, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but that word keep is uh, from a root word to mean to have a hedge of thorns. So think of that. You're having thorns around your brother and sister to protect them from the evil that is out there. So how do we protect, how do we guard our brothers and sisters? Going back to our text now. Verse 10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. So the number one point is be lovingly devoted to them. Can you honestly say that you are lovingly devoted to your brothers and sisters in this church? Do you care about them? Do you have a heartfelt desire to protect them? And I will admit we can all do better in that, including myself, but that is the goal. The more time we spend together, the more we learn about one another, we begin to have this desire to protect them. And it's great to see we have some, a- some outlets for that. If you're not part of the, the city, which is the, you know, the intranet for the church, it's great to see when you put out a prayer request, everybody comes and rallies around you. You can put a need out there and people help you meet those needs. So I'm not saying we don't do it. We are doing it. And we should be continue to do it and be devoted to doing that. My fear is that there's some brothers and sisters in here who don't put their needs out there. They don't let us rally around. They don't let us help them in their walk with the Lord. And again, it, it's great when you spend more time with your brothers and sisters because then you desire that even more. And that's the other thing. When we don't spend time with our brothers and sisters, we don't know anything about them. We can't help them. And maybe why you don't even desire to help them. Again, that's why it was such a great privilege for me to go to the men's retreat to learn more about my brothers and sisters. Or my brothers. Not si- there were no sisters there. Just kidding. <laughs> so I was, it's a men's retreat. <laughs> I'm not even, I'm just going to move on. But be lovingly devoted to them. That's how we keep them. Because we, when we do that, we care about them. Secondly, give preference to one another in honor. Honor your brother and, your brother and sister above yourself. When you care more about their needs than your own, you stop focusing on yourself. Like, How can I help them? What can I do to minister to them? You know, we take the eye, our eyes off ourselves and my needs and my desires and all the things that I want in life And focus on others is what we're called to do throughout Scripture, not just here in Romans. So how do we keep our brothers and sisters? One, be lovingly devoted them. Two, honor them above yourself. And thirdly, 
right here, the Apostle Paul says, So be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence. What he's saying here is be quick to serve them. Don't lag behind saying, well, someone else will do it. Step up. If you feel that God is calling you to help somebody, step up and do it. Be there for them. I'm so grateful to see that happen all the time here in our church. So many times, again, there's a need. The church rallies around that need, and they take care of that need as much as they can. Be quick to serve them. Over and over in Scripture, we are encouraged to do this as believers. And I want to share a couple of verses that speak about that. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, the Apostle Paul writes, So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. So he, he stressed that we're to do good to all people, but I like this, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. Our responsibility outside of our immediate family, as I see it, is to this church body. Take care of this body. Is this your church? Again, John mentioned about membership in this church. That's one of the things we, I love about this church, and we, and we value membership, is because we know you're a part of it. Hey, you're saying, yeah, I'm a part of the body of Christ universal, but more specifically, I'm a part of this congregation. I'm accountable to this congregation. I'm going to help support this congregation. And this is one of the ways, especially those who are of the household of faith. Is this your main source of fellowship and encouragement? I hope so. There's so many things that tug away and pull us away from the congregation, you know, and they're not necessarily bad. It could be work. It could be sports. It could be family obligations. But this shouldn't be the norm. Those should be the exception. Be quick to serve them. I like this verse also in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, looking at verses 10 and 12. Another one that stresses about being quick to serve the household of faith says this, uh, Hebrews 6, starting in verse 10. He says, For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown towards his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. I liked it. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Again, ministering to the saints, the believers, and not be sluggish about it. Be quick to do that. We should desire to serve our brothers and sisters as the need presents itself and with the resources that we have. We're not just talking financial resources. There's many things. Again, the Apostle Paul, in the context of chapter 12, talked about all the gifts that we have. And they weren't mostly, uh, did not have to do with finances. But be quick to serve them. And how do we do that? Going back to our text now. I like what he says here. In Romans 12. Continue on in verse 11. Not laggy behind the diligent, fervent in spirit, serving with all your strength. Do you serve with all your strength within the church body as you do in your workplace or as you're in your hobbies or whatever else you do? 
He's saying, serve with all your strength, diligent. And then he goes on to say, not lagging behind, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So be quick to serve your brothers and sisters with all your strength and realize that you're really serving God. Even as a, as a pastor here, I realize that it's a great privilege to teach the word of God to you guys and, and whatever else I'm called to do. But I'm really doing it for, the, for God. And, we all, and everybody benefits from it. If you serve God and serve every, do everything that you do to serve God, the church will benefit from it. You know, we don't need the praises of, of men and women about, hey, that was a great job. I mean, it's nice to hear when you're doing something and people appreciate it. But ultimately, our reward, our desire is to please God. And hopefully that's yours as well as you serve in the church. Because you know what? Some service in church can be thankless, right? Some people won't even know what you do. They will never know what you do. But God sees it. And remember, what God sees in secret, he rewards openly. So I hope that encourages you. You're like, well, I served in the church and nobody ever said thank you. You didn't even tell me thank you, Pastor Robert. I thank you. No. But you know what? If that's your reward, the scripture says that's your reward, the thank you. Not that we serve for reward, but God sees what you're doing. God will honor you. God will bless you. And the reward that God will give is greater than anything that we can imagine, I promise you. So be quick to serve your brothers and sisters, again, with all your strength, realizing that you're doing it for the Lord. Fourthly, this helps you if you're served in ministry in any capacity, and I mean any capacity. We have a lot of ministries going on here. Stay focused on eternity as you serve. Stay focused on eternity. Look at what it says, starting in verse, uh, where did I end up? Verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, Devoted to prayer. These three things, I think, need to be the focus of the brothers and sisters in this church as you serve to keep your brother and sister. Stay focused on eternity. Why do I say that? Well, number one, he says, rejoice in hope. Rejoicing in hope. As you're serving, know that what's your hope? Your hope is that eternal hope, that God sees you, God's going to worry that you're serving for God's glory because of what he's done for you, and one day you will receive the fruit of your labor. Stay focused on that. If you remain focused, and I think this is where I was going earlier, on the praise and thank you of men, that's not going to get you very far when hard times come because they will come. You know, sometimes I remember when I first started in youth group and, like, two kids showed up, and it was like, Dang, I thought I was going to have like 100 kids. There wasn't even 100 kids in the church at the time. But it's like, okay. And I remember reading, and, and it stuck with me even to this day, is that you ministered to the two kids that showed up. Don't worry about the kids that didn't come. And that God even tells you that in church when there's like two people. No, I'm just kidding. Minister to those people. Don't worry about the families that didn't make it today. These people are here. These are your brothers. Just minister to them. And even if it's just one person, minister to that person. Because you're not serving for the mass. You don't, I, don't, I don't preach so that a million people will come to church and come to faith. No, I preach because that's what God's called me to do, even if it's just one person. So rejoice in eternal hope. Rejoice in that hope. And secondly, 
Stay focused on eternity because that's going to help you persevere during the tribulation. And when I say tribulation, I'm talking about the tribulation that you experience serving in ministry. How many of you have ever been hurt in ministry? That's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. (laughs) But you know what I mean. Disappointed in whatever it is, in somebody, something, right? It's not always the greatest feeling, and you don't always get instant rewards when you serve. You pour your heart out into people, and and they disappoint you. Or you get ready for us, you know, whatever you're doing, and two kids show up. You have to persevere through that tribulation. Why? Because you're looking at the ultimate hope. Again, it's not for the people that are there. It's for God's glory. And so this is for all of you who serve. And, and hey, we're, and you're serving your brother or sister in the church. Sometimes it's going to get tough. And sometimes it's going to get frustrating. And your feelings are going to get hurt. And people are going to step on your toes. But you persevere through that. Because, again, you're ultimately serving God. You're doing it for God's glory out of a thankfulness and out of your love for them. You know, I think of it, um, you know, even in your marriage, you, you know, the first time you, you, you fight or something, you don't just say, I'm out of here, it's over, I'm done. No, you persevere. It's a covenant you've kept with your husband or wife, and we're going to work through it, and we're going to grow together. The same thing in this church. How many times have, have I seen people get hurt at the church, and they leave? I'm out of here. And then they use that, oh, the Lord told me to leave. They try to throw the Lord card at you, and you're whatever you want to be a false prophet and say that you use the lord's name like that go ahead and it's really that their feelings got hurt and they weren't mature enough to stay there and walk through that and deal with it you know how many times do you think you know you raise your hand if you got hurt you left you know we wouldn't have half a church here you stay in there and you and you persevere during tribulation because you're looking forward to eternity and the rewards from god that you're ultimately serving god Stay focused on eternity as you serve within the church and as you are your brother's keeper. And thirdly, and most importantly, it says, stay devoted to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. Because in the midst of rejoicing, in the midst of perseverance, you need to be praying over and over again to stay focused on God. Asking God for his help. Praying for your brothers and sisters. Stay focused on eternity in service. As you, your, as you are your brother's keeper, your sister's keeper, stay focused on eternity. Rejoice in the hope you have. Persevere during tribulation. And thirdly, stay devoted to prayer. And then I would also add, pray for those who are serving in ministry. Uh, pray for the youth leaders and the, and the servants all over the place, all the people back there in the media. Pray for them. Pray for me. Pray for the pastors that teach up here as well. We need your prayers. We covet your prayers. I think the, uh, it's like when, uh, whenever I, I get sick or something happens, Mindy always reminds you, you know what? That's because you're about to teach or you're studying and you're involved in something and it seems like the enemy wants to attack you then and there to keep you from doing what you're called to do. I, I remember, again, the times that I've, I've gone away on a retreat or, or just something happened that day to kind of stop you from going. Or especially in the first month of this year in January, I was getting hurt. I told you, like, every Sunday before I came up to teach, something like my back went out or I got sick. or And it was like, wow, that's crazy. And I wasn't, you know, thinking. And Mindy reminded me, well, that's where you're preaching on prayer. 
you know, like the most powerful thing we have as, as believers because it's focusing and relying on God. The enemy's trying to keep you from going up there. Again, so I would say persevere through those tribulations in your life as you're ministering to the brothers and sisters in this church. When it seems that they're not listening and things aren't going right, keep persevering. Keep persevering. So how do we keep our brothers and sisters? How do we guard them? Number one, be lovingly devoted to them. Number two, honor them above yourself. Number three, be quick to serve them. Number four, stay focused on eternity. And number five, he, he spins off a little bit and talks about a specific way to be our brother's keepers, and that's contribute to the needs of the saints. He says this in verse 13, contributing to the needs of the saints. So one of the ways that we help our brothers and sisters, we guard, we keep them, we protect them, is contributing to their needs. And this is uh, assuming that we know the needs of our brothers and sisters. And again, this is why it's so great that we have uh, that, uh, that app. I hope you have it on your phone or somewhere that you log into it. The city. Because you can put needs out on there. Because we're not always connected on a day-to-day basis, face-to-face. But at least on the city, we can put out our prayer requests and our needs. And we can meet those needs. So again, I encourage you, brothers and sisters, who are, as John mentioned, who are going through that desert right now, don't walk alone. The church is here to be your your keeper. We want to help. We want to meet those needs. And, And if we don't know those needs, we can't contribute to the needs of the saints. And part of contributing is, yes, a financial responsibility. The the New Testament calls for us to give. And to give liberally as the Lord leads. within. So maybe you don't know those needs, but I do, or another pastor doesn't. So as you give to the church, we're able to decide where to, you know, where to distribute those funds so that we can meet the needs of the saints. So it's not just your responsibility. So that's another way that we can keep our brothers and sisters. And lastly, he says, practicing hospitality. Be hospitable to one another. We're called over and over in Scripture. We're called to, you know, back then they didn't have hotels and places that brothers and sisters could stay. So when they came to town or if a pastor came to town, people would open up their home. So if you want to open up your home to me so I could stay the night and have dinner, I'd really appreciate it. It would be great. I'm just kidding. We're not talking. I have that need taken care of. But we're to practice hospitality. Maybe you know of a brother or sister who can just use a nice meal. I'm so thankful that we have a ministry that's devoted to that. When we know somebody needs something, again, a meal in particular, we go and and some of the people in the church will will make something and and take it to the house. It'll be there for a couple of days. I remember when uh, Mindy had had Jonathan, our third child, and it was rough on me. It was rough because nobody was making dinner. My daughter was too young to do it. So, <laughs> so thankfully, brothers and sisters came and, and, and blessed us. I remember, you know, I won't say their name, but they knew who they are. They brought, like, big steaks. I was like, yes. I thought, <laughs> for days eating that stuff. Like, we should have another kid. No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but, again, it was just being blessed by the church. And some of you, again, are missing out on it because you're keeping those needs to yourself. I, you know, I don't want to burden anybody. You're not burdening anybody. 
it's our call as a church to help meet those needs, to be hospitable. And you're not allowing somebody to exercise their gifts either. If you remember early in Romans chapter 12, when John taught him this, there were those people who were blessed at being hospitable. And you know those people. They just, they would do anything for you. When they know, they just, they go above and beyond being hospitable. I mean, they would actually let you stay with them if you needed to. So again, these are just some six examples and six ways that we as the church can be our brother's keeper. And we're growing in all these, some of some of you, and including me, go, well, yeah, I can do that. I do that. I'm not that great at that. I need to be better at that. I don't want to do that one, you know. But this is what we're called to do, not me. You know, I, I do all of them. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, again, let's just summarize these six. How do we keep our brothers and sisters? Number one, be lovingly devoted to them. Number two, honor them above yourself. Number three, be quick to serve them. Number four, stay focused on eternity. Number six, contribute to the needs of the saints. And number six, be hospitable. This is our calling as a church to one another. And next week we'll look at what our calling is to those outside the church as well in a a smaller way. But we're going to close right now. And I want to close really in a time of prayer as this next worship song goes. And I'm going to. If David and John are here, I'd I'd like you to come up too during this next worship song. I want to, I just want to be available to those of you that need us to pray over you for whatever reason. It won't be, no, I won't turn the mic on, don't worry. You know who you are. If you're like, you know, you're in that desert place, as John mentioned, it's a great analogy. Let us pray for you as the pastors of the church. Let us pray over you. And those of you that are out there, when you see somebody come forward, just you might not know what their request is. Just be in t- a time of prayer for them. And the worship song, I'm going to remind Izzy to keep it low so that we can pray. You know, and the rest of you worship or just join in in prayer through your spirit as we do this. And, and I really hope that some of you will come up and let us pray over you. It's, it's not a burden. This is our calling. And we want to do it joyfully. And we want to be your keeper. And we want to rejoice with you. We want to... Uh, mourn with you and weep with you whatever we can do that's what we're called to do so let's do that now lord god we i'm just so thankful and i'm sure that my brothers and sisters are that we have this church that we have a place that we could come and gather a place of safety number one that we could just come and worship you in safety we could study your word and learn how to grow in our in our in our walks with you And number two, Lord God, that we can come and be vulnerable with one another and ask for prayer and ask, Lord God, when we have a need, knowing that it's not a burden to our brothers and sisters, but it is is what we're called to do. And again, I want to stress, Lord, some of us get to exercise our gifts that way. Not all of us are in a public ministry, but these when we hear about needs, we're able to bless because you've blessed us, whether it's with time or our talents or with even our treasures, Lord God, we're able to minister to those needs. So, Lord God, we pray and ask that you would help us to fulfill this role that you've given to us as a church. And I pray, Lord God, that my brothers and sisters who need prayer would come forward and just let us pray for them. And we thank you for this time now in Jesus' name.